For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Hello there and welcome. I'm your humble host, JT Lawson, and this is a four-time True Crimes and Biblical Times podcast, which is a true crime podcast that glorifies God and not the crime. Here we are at episode five, entitled Hanging Between Heaven and Earth. This episode, we will be looking at Absalom, one of King David's son, the handsome one. You know, the son who had the heavy, long hair. Yeah, the rebellious prince who called for a mutiny attack against his father's throne and totally, totally disrupting the kingdom with his own agenda. Yeah, that guy. Okay, now that you see where we hit it with this episode, I want to open up time for some prayer requests and praise reports. If you have either one, or even both, please feel free to hit us up and send us a voicemail to anchor.fm backslash biblical true crimes. Again, that's anchor.fm biblical true crimes. Or you can send us a tweet at TCIBT underscore 66. That's Tango Charlie Igloo Bravo Tango underscore 66. Or last but not least, you can send us an email at tcibt66 at gmail.com. Again, that's tcibt66 at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and praise with you for the reports and pray with you concerning the request. With that being said, let us offer a word of prayer like incense before the throne of God in the precious name of Jesus, our great high priest. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to call upon your name in the name of Jesus Christ, our intercessor. So Father, please, as you hear these prayers, as they're offered up to you, and as your son Jesus Christ presents them to you, I pray that you will answer them accordingly. We submit ourselves to you, O Lord, and ask that you will forgive us of our sins and transgressions. Father, cleanse us of all unrighteousness, for we are sinners only saved by thy grace. And so, Lord, please, I pray that you allow us to learn something from this episode, especially of your mercy. Let us see it in a light, Lord God, that will allow us to practically experience for ourselves and be able to share with others. Thank you again, Father, for the opportunity to study your word and to hear great counsel on how you deal with the human race concerning these issues. In Jesus' name we pray, Abba. Amen. I'm pretty sure you have heard the phrase between a hard, excuse me, between a rock and a hard place. This was truly and dearly the case for Absalom. Even more, he was caught between heaven and earth. As he was hanging there in the woods of Ephraim, you might be thinking, now, how could such a thing happen? He didn't just wake up one morning and jump in the tree to hang there for the bird's eye view, or as I like to call it, God's eye view. Totally, this was not the case. There were, however, a chain of events from Absalom's poor decision making that brought him to this place of vulnerability in a great terebinth tree. 
the matchstick of tragic events was struck and a blaze was set when Absalom was revenging the rape of his fair sister Tamar by the vexed and sick in the heart and might I add in the head half brother Amnon and you can find that story in 2nd Samuel chapter 13 verses 28 and 29 this murderous act by Absalom's servants echoes the rebuke that Nathan the prophet gave to King David after he slept with Bathsheba and struck down Uriah her husband with the sword of the Amorites and of course that was in this second book of Samuel chapter 12 verse 10 and 11 saying now therefore the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own this is what the Lord says out of your own household I'm going to bring calamity on you wow that's a powerful word from the Lord Mm -mm -mm. after murdering his brother Absalom fled as a fugitive to the king of Gersha which was Absalom's grandfather in Tamalia this malicious act of Absalom was the beginning of his alienation from his father David and the time in exile which was about three years soon gave room for Absalom to dangerously scheme for we understand that this young prince had a knack for scheming something serious. Seeing the two years he premeditated plot concerning Amnon's despise. It seemed that the apple didn't fall too far from the tree. King David once plotted a man's death, Uriah the Hittite. Through his kingly influence, King David was to carry out his own agenda. Sadly, this kind of evil was inherited by his offspring. Therefore, it is true to say that children often inherit their parents' disposition. As a rule, children inherit the disposition and tendencies of their parents and imitate their example so that the sins of the parents are practiced by the children from generation to generation and that's a quote by uh, Ellen G. White in the in the first volume of Mind, Character and Principle page 142 paragraph 2 it is amazing to make mention the justice of God through the lens of this horrible situation for if parents or rulers of this world fail on their part to correct iniquities that demand their attention they will take their natural course of action and God will take the reins of this particular matter himself loosening the strains of his power upon the confederation of evil so that the, the domino effect of circumstances will come about punishing sin with sin it was eye-opening for King David concerning the evil effect of his indulgence to his children spoiled them royally rotten. Absalom was permitted to return to Jerusalem after being convicted in his heart by a woman from Tokyo in which Joab, King David's commander, fetched and put the words in her mouth to say to the king, 
who had a reputation of being wise. This woman had. King David heard the story from this so-called widow woman and calls for Absalom to come home. And you can find that story in 2 Samuel chapter 14 verses 4 through 21. The young prince was to live in his own house, but was banished from the royal court and his father's face for about two years. Absalom was not alone. He dwelt with his sister in the house, Tamar, and her very presence kept the memory alive of the terrible injustice that was done by her brother, Amnon, who was killed. Come to find out, Absalom was held as a hero rather than an offender to some in the public's eye concerning the murder of his brother Amnon. Him having this advantage, he would definitely use this to gain the hearts of the people. The Bible speaks about Absalom's outward stature in this way. And the Bible says, In all Israel, there was none to be more praised as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his feet, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And you can find that in 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 25. Not to mention, the character of Absalom was ambitious, impulsive, and compassionate. Excuse me, passionate. These two years of banishing his son from his presence was not a wise move from the king. By allowing his son to return to Jerusalem and yet refusing to see Absalom added more reason for the people to sympathize with the young prince. This scenario sounds pretty familiar, wouldn't you say? Quote, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, the son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou said in thy heart, I will ascend to heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. End quote. And here's another quote. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And that is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. And also I want to add another scripture, which is, in the Bible says, Thou hast been in the Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the ox, onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and the gold, the workmanship of thy tabarith, and of thy pipes, was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointing cherubim that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walketh, excuse me, walked upon up and down in the midst of the fires, excuse me, the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created 
till iniquity was found in thee. And that's from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28, verses 13 through 15 in the King James Version. The biblical insurrection account of Absalom parallels with the heavenly insurrection of Satan. The ungodly craftiness and wit concerning their position and outward appearance made way for the iniquity to be found in their hearts. Now, just as Satan, the father of lies, campaigned around the heavenly host, his theories and accusations against God, sadly, winning one third of the angels of God to side with him, the spirit of Satan entered the heart of Absalom against his father and king. Day by day, he situated, speaking of Absalom, himself at the gate of the city as a type of judge as the people waited for him to make wrongs against them right Absalom mingled with them and had an ear for their grievances expressing sympathy with their suffering and regret at the in inefficiencies of the government awfully stated quote they matters thy matters are good and right but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee adding oh that I were made judge in the land that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me and I would do him justice with this going on Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel all of this was in preparation to what was to follow the young prince secretly selected men through the tribes, gathering measures of a revolt. Absalom will go as far as to use religion as a smokescreen to give him the time needed for his rebellion, excuse me, rebellious design. Absalom said to the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron for thy servant vowed a vow while I abode at Gersher in Syria saying if the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem I will serve the Lord the vow of his softened the heart of his father giving King David evidence that Absalom's heart had changed therefore the king set the young prince to Gersha with a blessing to pay his devotional vow to the Lord. The conspiracy of the throne was in full throttle. Not only did Absalom blind his father with this lie, but still winning the confidence of the people, thus leading them to rebel against the king whom God had appointed over Israel. Marching towards Hebron came 200 men with Absalom who had no idea that their allegiance to the prince would lead them to go against their loyalty towards the king. As Absalom, still in recruit mode, summons Ahithophel, one of the chief counselors of David, a man of much wisdom, so much that his thoughts and wisdom could be trusted as a prophet. So with Ahithophel going team Absalom, it appeared that the rebellion was to be successful, attracting many influential men from all parts of the land. 
With the sounding of the trumpet of revolt, the young prince's spies throughout the country started to speak, quote unquote, fake news that Absalom was king. And many of the people sadly believed it. This alarm carried <clears throat> to the region where King David was. Suddenly, he was aroused, shaking off the depression from the death of his son Amnon, amongst other things that grabs his soul. David did not want the horror of war to fall upon the chosen city. Therefore, King David left Jerusalem, then testing the fidelity of his people, giving them the opportunity to support him. The issue of the conflict King David would trust God with. Soon after King David left Jerusalem, Absalom and his army entered and without a struggle, took possession of the stronghold of Israel. After taking the evidence, excuse me, after taking advice of Ahithophel to take his father's concubines of his own, which was a direct evil of proclamation for the throne. Not that God prompted this act of wickedness, but because of David's sin, did not exercise his power to prevent it. Absalom was urged by the same counselor, Ahithophel, to take immediate action against his father with 12,000 men. But if this counsel was heeded, King David would have been slain. But God, oh, our God, being faithful to the king, heard his prayer to turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Ahishai, the Archite, had the answer to the king's heartfelt prayer. So, Hishai spoke his counsel them not to pursue the king immediately, but to build up a bigger army for the attack. Hishai's counsel fed into the pride of Absalom. To show off Absalom's might as the newly crowned monarch, and all the men of Israel spoke of Hishai's counsel was much better than Ahithophel. And the Bible says, The Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to, intent, to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. And that's in 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 14. Hushai's counsel had accomplished its objective, gaining for King David more time and opportunity for escape. But the rash and passionate prince could only be restrained for so long. For soon he would be set out to hunt his father, his king, down like a beast of prayer, prey. Absalom's army was large, but it was undisciplined and poorly prepared to cope with the tried soldiers of his father. Yet, David divided his forces into three battalions <clears throat> under the command of Joab, Abishai and Hittai the Gittite, 
it had been his purpose himself to lead his army into the field. But against this, the officers of the army, the counselors and the people vehemently protested. For the walls of the city, the long lines of the rebel, the rebel army was in fuel, full view. The upsurge was accompanied by a vast host in comparison with which David's forces seemed to be but a handful. But as the king looked upon the opposition face forces, the thought utmost in his mind was not of the crown and the kingdom. No, not even for his life that depended upon the wage of battle. The father's heart was filled with the love and pity for his rebellious son. As the army filled, excuse me, as the army filed out from the gate, city's gates, David encouraged his faithful soldiers, bidding them go forth, trusting that God, that the God of Israel will give them the victory. But even here, he could not repress his love for Absalom. As Joab leading the first column, past his king the conqueror of a hundred battlefields <clears throat> stooped his proud head to hear the monarch's last message as with trembling voice he said deal gently for my sake with the young man even with Absalom and Abishai and Atiliai received the same charge deal gently for my sake with the young man even with Absalom but the king's solitude seemed to declare that Absalom was dearer to him than his kingdom dearer even than the subjects faithful to his throne only increased the indignation of the soldiers against the unnatural son and that's a quote from Petros and Prophets, page 743, paragraph 1. And here's another quote from Patriarchs and Prophets. The place of battle was a wood near the Jordan, which the great number of Absalom's army were only a disadvantage to him. Among the thickets and marshes of the forest, these undisciplined troops became confused and unmanaged and the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David and there was there a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men Absalom seeing that the day was lost had turned to flee when his head was caught between the branches of a wide spreading tree and his mule going out from under him he was left helplessly suspended between heaven and earth, simply prey to his enemy. In this condition, he was found by a soldier who, for fear of displeasing the king, spared Absalom, but reported to Joab what he had seen. Joab was restrained by no scrupulous. He had befriended Absalom, having twice secured his reconciliation with David, his father, and the trust had been shamelessly portrayed. 
but for the advantages gained by Absalom through Joab's intercession. This rebellion, with all its horrors, could never have occurred. Now it was in Joab's power at one blow to destroy the instigator of all this evil. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom. And they took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid a very great heap of stones upon him. And as Patriarchs and Prophets, page 743, paragraph 2. The leader of the rebellion was dead. God dealt long with Absalom. The doors of opportunity for repentance were swung ajar for him. But sadly, Absalom continued in sin. The young prince was cut down by death to await the awful tribunal judgment of Almighty God. Truly and dearly, this sobering and inspired story gives a glimpse of the incomprehensive, immeasurable, and unfailing love of God through Christ. Oh, how great our God bears long with us sinners in his divine patience, from the murderer to the drunkard, and all in between heaven and earth. He wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance in Christ, to receive the reward of eternal life. My dear friends, if you have found yourself hanging in the Tiberith tree, excuse me, Terebinth tree in your life by the long hair of your sins, your ending does not have to reflect that of Absalom. God's arms of grace are not too short that he cannot save. Through his son, Jesus, our God saves to the uttermost. And it's a blessing in all of this because God is in control. In Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our great high priest has given so much counsel in his word. And I'd like to point out one of those counsels through his manservant, the Apostle John, in his first epistle, second chapter and first verse. The Apostle John writes this. My little children, these things have I written to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And again, that's 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Yes. We are sinners saved by grace, and we have an advocate, a parokletos, which the Greek pronounces, a comforter. We have someone in our corner, a lawyer, an advocate who has never lost a case. And again, my dear friend, if you have found yourself in the Terebinth tree, by your long hair of sins, please know that Jesus is always there to plead his precious blood from Calvary before the Father in our behalf to set us free from sin. So please, 
If you are in such a predicament, please, I ask that you pray with me. Let us pray. Dear Father God, we thank you so much for bearing along with us. For again, we are only sinners saved by grace. We acknowledge this. And so, Father, we want your son to come into our life. We want to live for you. So I ask, Father, that you would truly and dearly forgive us of our sins and transgressions. And allow us to have a relationship with you through Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that he died and rose again on the third day to the newness of life. And that same newness of life we ourselves can walk in. And so thank you for putting on our hearts to want to walk in that light. That you have taken us out of that darkness and brought us into that marvelous light. And so I pray, Father, for every individual under the sound of my voice. Please, Lord, draw them closer to you. Have mercy on them, for, Father, you want no one to perish, but all that come to repentance. Whether if someone is a murderer, a drunkard, a fornicator, a blasphemer, whatever the sin may be, your arms are not too short that you cannot save. So please, Father, according to your precious word, Forgive us of our sins. Be with us even the more, giving us comfort. And let this newness of life in Christ be our new reality. I pray that you touch the hearts of all those who may be listening. That they will come to you in their time of need. And that they will lay down their burdens and be restored according to your loving grace. Thank you again for this opportunity to hear our prayer. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, thank you again for listening for <clears throat> to this podcast of Four Time True Crimes and Biblical Times. Again, this is a podcast that glorifies God and not the crime. And please feel free again to reach out an olive branch to us by the many social uh, platforms, whether it's by email, on this uh, podcast, Anchor, or if you want to tweet, please feel free to do such a thing concerning a praise report or a prayer request. Or you might even have a biblical true crime, you know, recommendation. We would love to hear that. Maybe a story that we haven't yet covered that you uh, has been placed on your heart to be able to uh, bring to our attention and that we can truly and dearly uh, bring it on the podcast and expound on it and see how God looks at it, you know, from a God's eye point of view. And so again, I thank you again for listening to this podcast and until next podcast episode, may the Lord richly bless you and your family in Jesus name. Sola Deo Gloria to God be the glory alone. God bless. <laughs>